Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. And today, uh, might be going a little bit different direction. Uh, we, this, uh, you know, we, we spent the last, we spent several weeks there on the topic of healing, and we put a lot of emphasis on the truth that one of the main things, perhaps the main thing when it comes to healing, is being convinced of the truth that it is God's will. It's very tough to get something from God if you're not convinced that God wants you to have it. Uh, so when we go, when we pray about healing, when we uh, approach God or the altar, uh, with healing on our mind, uh, we shouldn't just be asking for it. We should be expecting it. We should expect to receive a manifestation of something that God has already promised and according to his word, already provided. That's the faith message of healing, right? I mean, how exciting, and not, and not just healing anything, how exciting is it to have a desire, a deep desire, a, a long-time desire for something and then discover in the word of God that God wants you to have it too. And that in fact, that God has promised it to you. That's exciting to me. Um, there is no shortage, of course, of desires. Where there are all sorts of things that we want. And there might even be a lot of things in your life, in my life, that we want enough, that we want badly enough to pray about. Hey, if God is real, and if he hears my prayers, and if God answers prayer, and if I want this, and he loves me, what can it hurt to pray about? I'll ask him. And that's true to an extent, but I want you to see this. This is James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Now that's where we can stop there for just a second. You're, you're, you're fighting each other and you're, you're getting all twisted out of shape because you want something and you can't have it. And so you fight. You try to take it from somebody else. And this is what leads nations to literally go to war with one another. He says, oh, and really the reason you don't have it is you haven't asked the one who can give it to you. And then sort of anticipating the next protest, which would be, well, I did ask, and God didn't give it to, give it to me. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. They say, all right, so some of you have asked. The reason you haven't got it is you're asking for the wrong reasons. It's not that God doesn't want you to have it. He just doesn't want you to do with it what you, ha what you want to do with it when you do get it. You need to get your desires and your motives in order. But here's what I would add to this. You do not receive from God because you are asking for things he never promised and doesn't want you to have. There are some things, like money, that God has absolutely no problem with you having. In fact, if you go by the testimony of Scripture, he desires that you prosper financially. But if your goal and even the motive behind your prayer, God, I really want a million dollars. I desire it. And you delight in the prosperity of your servants. And in the back of your mind is, as soon as I get that million, I'm going to buy the hottest car on the planet. 
uh, and that without any regard to what God would say, okay, I'm going to give you this, but when I give it to you, I want you to do this, and we're closing our ears to this. We have no right to expect that God's going to answer that prayer. But then we can also turn around and ask for something that God's like, I don't want you to have this at all. You understand, if you had this in your life, it would kill you. It would damage you. It would pull you away from me. The best way to get your prayers answered is to pray for the things that you know God wants you to have. Be led by the Spirit in prayer. Pastor Mike has been emphasizing that a lot lately on Monday nights and on his Wednesday night messages. Look at this. This is probably the text scripture. You know, uh, I've mentioned this before, and I really applied it in a, in a message or a series of messages years ago on being guided, being led by the Spirit. But there is, uh, and I wasn't, this part isn't in my notes, so I'm going to have to remember. Uh, there's a passage in the Bible that says, there, uh, uh, Grunewald, John Grunewald was sharing this uh, several visits ago, that uh, the, the reason he went to Germany, you know, he was a pastor, a small church in Terre Haute, wound up going to Germany, starting Rhema there, and then ended up being head of Rhema Europe, and now over Rhema Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, right? And he said, how did you, people ask him, how did you hear from God? How did you know you were supposed to go from Terre Haute, Indiana to Bonn, Germany, or wherever it was? And he said, uh, it just seemed right to us. It wasn't a dream, it wasn't a vision, it wasn't a prophetic word, it just seemed right. Knowing what they knew, talking with people, it seemed right. And, uh, and he showed how Luke wrote, you know, in the introduction, uh, seemed right to me, in as, in as much as many have undertaken to give an account of the life and ministry of Jesus, it seemed right to me also. Uh, and, and how in the book of Acts, it seemed right to us to go to this place. A lot of things happened, a lot of important things happened in Christian, Christianity, in Christian history, because something seemed right. And that's kind of liberating, that you don't have to wait on a word, but uh, there is a way which seems right to a man but what's its end? Death, destruction. Just because it seems right doesn't mean it is right. So how do you know if the seems right is right? Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. This is not do the right thing for God and he'll give you everything you want. That's not what that's saying. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If your relationship with God is correct, he will govern your very desires. Not just give you the object of your desires, but give you right desires. He'll cause you to want the right things. And then when you're wanting the right things, in right relationship with God, then you ask and get your prayers answered. Now, what is something that we should be asking for, something we should desire. Because we do, we talk a lot about God's promises for healing and provision and protection and all this stuff that we should, because we have promises for these things. But look at this, in Genesis, we'll go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. And verse six says, and this is the temptation episode, of course, the serpent has offered this, tr this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she said, no, we're not supposed to have it, which she was right. God told them they could eat anything except that. And uh, in verse 6, and, and of course, the, the, the price had gone back a little bit earlier here, but the serpent said, yeah, it's not going to kill you. It's just going to make you like God. 
So in verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, they were deceived into thinking that the fruit would make them wise. It wasn't going to make them wise. It was going to make them dead, ultimately. But the desire for wisdom was not a bad thing. They just went looking for it in the wrong place. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be wise, desiring God's wisdom even. They just went looking for it in some place God said to avoid. Um, The Bible, most of you know this, has a lot to say about wisdom and its value. In Job chapter 28, beginning in verse 12, But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. Skip down to verse 20. From there, uh, from where does wisdom come? Where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way, and he knows its place. That's, that's quite, a, uh, quite a passage about how valuable, how precious wisdom is, and how hard it is to find. And ultimately, he says, where is wisdom ultimately found? It is found with God. God is the one who knows where it is. And, of course, Proverbs is full of passages about wisdom and its, and its importance. You know, Proverbs, uh, Job and uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are, uh, are considered wisdom literature. It's kind of the theme. And uh, we'll come back to some Proverbs here, a super important one in a little bit. But let's look at some New Testament stuff. In James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, it says this, Who is wise? And understanding among you. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Remember that phrase, underline it, wisdom from above. How can I underline it on my phone? How can I underline it when I'm reading off the screen? Bring your Bibles to church. I want to start a campaign to get everybody bringing a paper or a, you know, a physical Bible to church. It's super important. Woo, praise the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning of verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
There's plenty of more stuff about wisdom in the New Testament as well. But let's talk about what it is for just a second. Because the Bible talks about knowledge, talks about understanding, talks about wisdom. And there are differences in those words. Knowledge uh, is simply the accumulation of information. Knowledge has to be dug for. Knowledge has to be studied for. Um, you know, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to, after, we're going to kick off uh, at least, at least a, a, a series, I just don't know how long a series, on the gifts of the Spirit uh, on Pentecost Sunday, which I believe is the Sunday after Neil and Danette are here. We're going to be talking about Pentecost, we're going to be talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. But one of them is word of knowledge, and that's simply an utterance of knowledge that you don't have by natural means. You know, it's, it's not the same thing as a word of wisdom. It's not the same thing. I mean, there's a, it's, it's somewhat prophetic in that it is uh, spiritually generated. But if somebody comes up and says to you, you know, the Lord showed me that, such and such about you, he gives you that information so that you can minister to them. We see Jesus, remember, when Jesus ministered on the earth, he did not minister as as an omnipotent, omniscient God. He operated as perfect, sinless man baptized in the Holy Spirit. Remember, he was all God but the glory, all man but the sin. He was fully God, fully human, but he laid his glory aside. Scripture specifically tells us this. So when you read a passage like Jesus knowing their thoughts, or it says they're having a conversation that he wasn't a part of, and then he goes in and starts addressing what they were talking about without having heard it. Why? Because he was operating with a word of knowledge. It was knowledge that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. And we can do that too. We can walk into the middle of a conversation. I have ministered words of knowledge and words of wisdom way more in conversation than I have in a prayer line or in a service. And we ought to expect to be able to do that. Anyway, this is what knowledge is. It's simply information that you have that you could, that, uh, and it could be because of somebody who taught you, something you read, somebody you listened to. Understanding is the ability to put knowledge into the right context. Um, this is where, uh, I, I guess... And this is a terrible example for me to give because it was absolutely my worst subject. But you don't, when you start teaching children about numbers, you don't start out, out with uh, quadratic equations or something like that. You teach them to count first, right? Here's what the numbers look like. And then you say, make them understand that you know, one is this many, two is this many, three is this many. There's the counting. And then uh, once that knowledge is understood, I know what numbers are and I know what numbers mean, then you can move on to an understanding. Because if that number is this many, and you add a number, uh, the, the same number to it, well, that's going to equal this many. That's the beginning of understanding mathematics. And then you can move on to multiplication and division and whatever comes after that, because I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. I did get a little further than that. But, you know, algebraic expressions and things like that all go back to knowledge of numbers eventually you have to have the knowledge of numbers first before you can have an understanding of mathematics all right wisdom is the ability to apply so you, so you got knowledge which is the accumulation of information you've got understanding which is uh, putting that information in the right context wisdom is applying that 
contextualized knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge that is in the right context. In this case, it would be taking, you move from the knowledge of numbers to an understanding of mathematics to a formula that can now be turned into an architectural drawing, right? All this, there's so much math involved in these things because we have to understand here's how much this material can hold, but if we angle it this way and hook it up with another one that can hold this much, it will hold more than twice that much, that sort of thing. Or plans for a rocket. Rocket science is mathematics. You have to understand it's all about how quickly fuel burns and how much energy it generates, but you have to have start with the knowledge of numbers, move to an understanding of mathematics, and then the wisdom to apply this understanding to some particular area. Now, in our case, knowledge might be scripture memory. I know what the Bible says. And if I know, if all I memorize, for instance, is God will give me the desires of my heart. Well, does the Bible say that? Yes. Uh, is that knowledge contextualized properly? No, it's leaving out a condition, isn't it? I must delight myself in him. And then the wisdom is to apply that understanding. I understand what it means to delight myself in God, and I understand that I'm not supposed to start expressing my desires to him until I'm sure that this desire came from God. And then I'm going to have a better track record of getting my prayers answered. It's all about, and this is why with children we start with, you know, a five-year-old is capable of counting. Most five-year-olds, I know there's, there are genetic freaks out there, most five-year-olds cannot, even with the best instructor, you can't teach them algebra. There has to, it's, it's for the average kid, somewhere 11, 12 years old before their brains are even capable of processing the information like that. But at the same time, just because a kid is 11 or 12 years old, you can't start with algebra if he doesn't know how to count. These things have to be built upon. So with children, we start with scripture memory. We start with telling them what the Bible says. We start talking about what it means to have a relationship. And then, of course, when you bring the supernatural into that, a child can confess Christ and come into a, 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 a vital, vibrant, real relationship with Jesus and have their mind transformed and you'd be amazed what they're capable of in terms of contextualizing knowledge and walking in wisdom. But... It starts with knowing what Scripture says. And then once we know what it says, once we start to understand it, then to live it becomes wisdom. Look at this. We know this, right? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is the recitation. This is the, the remembering of it, right? It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Why? So that you can understand it. That why? That you may observe to do all according, sorry, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Right? Just saying the word doesn't guarantee success. Meditate on it. Okay, so now I've said it, now I understand it. That doesn't guarantee good success. The whole point of learning it and understanding it is so you can do it. There's the wisdom, and walking in wisdom, there's the promise of good success and prosperity. So, 
You got to understand, there is a certain wisdom that is available to all men. What we want is wisdom from above, right? Reason, a certain line of reasoning can take us off course. We want divine reasoning. Uh, and here is a famous story from Second Chronicles. It's also in First Kings. We're just going to read it out of First Chronicles, beginning in chapter 1, verse 7. First Chronicles 1, verse 7. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked for wisdom and, and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Wow. Now, Solomon was quite young. Uh, I've seen some people suggest he may, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us, I don't think. Uh, but I've, I've seen it, uh, I've heard it claimed he may have been as young as 12. I don't think that. I think 20 is probably more like that, 19 or 20. He was pretty young uh, to inherit the kingdom. Uh, and it seems to me like he displayed quite a bit of wisdom just in making this request. That's a pretty mature request, isn't it? I mean, what are you going to do if God appears to you and says, hey, anything you want, right now you ask me for it and it's yours. Wow. And Solomon said, he knew what he's like, wow, I've just stepped into a job that I feel nowhere near ready for, but I know you've promised the, that, that, that my father David would always have a descendant on the throne. I want your word to be fulfilled. I'm the one that's sitting on the throne, but I'm not capable of doing this, so give me a wise and understanding heart so that I'm doing this job in a way that blesses the people that you put me over and honors you. Pretty mature request, but where did that request come from? How did he know to do that? Now go back to Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And this is Solomon writing. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, and now he's quoting David, let your heart retain my words, Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Her is wisdom. And she will preserve you. Love her. And she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. So then here's Solomon, and God makes this offer. I will give you anything. And Solomon remembers David telling him, above all, the principal thing, get wisdom. More important than anything else, get wisdom. So here's God saying, what do you want? I want wisdom. 
good. And because you didn't ask for all these other things, you're not only going to get wisdom in boatloads, you're going to get all of these other things that everybody else would have asked for too. Man, if only, you ever read something like that and say, if only God would appear to me in a dream and make me an offer like that. Did anybody ever think that when you read a story like that? I have. And then I remember things like this. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's better than waiting on a dream. That's better than waiting on a vision. There's a promise in writing. I wish God would appear to me and offer me wisdom. If you lack it, ask for it. And he might give it to you because he gives to some men a little bit. No, (laughs) he gives to all men liberally. Liberally. You want, are you struggling with a decision? Do you need answers? Do you need counsel? Ask God. He gives it liberally and without reproach. Solomon didn't ask to be the wisest. He asked for wisdom. But God gave it to him liberally so that his wisdom was so legendary. Kings and queens traveled from miles away just to hear it. I have heard this guy is wise. They also heard that God had blessed him uh, with a lot of stuff. And they got to see that. But when they got there, they just wanted to sit there and listen to Solomon talk. Because when he spoke, such wisdom came out of him. That's giving, that's a, that's a liberal answer to the request for, and the word liberal has connotations that, uh, that different from <laughs> what we're talking about here, right? Uh, but he gives it without reproach. He's not going to berate us for our lack of wisdom. He's going to reward us for asking for it. God, I realize that for the last 10 years I've been struggling with something. And I'm just not, I don't have the wisdom. I don't understand. Will you give me the wisdom? He's not going to say, why did you waste 10 years? How could you be so stupid? What did you do instead of pursuing wisdom? No, what's he going to do? He's going to give it to us liberally, and he's not going to reproach us, not going to upbraid us for not having it. Look quickly at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. And the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to notice the things that are. To bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him, listen to this, but of him or because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now, if I am in Christ and Christ has become wisdom from God for us, why do I need to ask for wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Why isn't it just automatic? 
because of Christ, we're saved. If we're saved, we're in Christ. In Christ, there is the wisdom of God. He's been made that for us, who became for us wisdom from God. And I love that wisdom is grouped in here with the other benefits of salvation. But remember this. All the benefits of salvation must be appropriated by faith. What are some other benefits of salvation? We see it. See it. Old and New Testament. We talk about it all the time, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, what's the very next thing? Heals all your diseases. There are, this is the salvation package, we've called it. I've called it anyway. It's the benefits package that automatically comes, it's yours when you're saved. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, it belongs to you. Well then, if that's true, why does anybody get sick after they're saved? Because they don't know it or they don't believe it. Doesn't mean they're not saved. They're just not opening the rest of that package. Those benefits are yours, but they must be appropriated by faith. I'm sure, I've, you've heard stories, read stories, people died uh, you know, it, it, without realizing that they had inherited millions of dollars. Maybe get money got put in an account with their name on it and they never knew it. They were rich and they died poor because they never appropriated what was theirs legally. Same with wisdom. Wisdom is yours. It's part of the benefits package of salvation. Wisdom is, he was made the wisdom from God for us, but we have to appropriate that. We have to ask for it and believe and expect, just like, well, let me read this first. James, chapter 1, back to verse 5. Let's read the rest of it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Isn't that something that here James is telling us to ask for something that Old and New Testament confirm God wants us to have? You know, we spent weeks talking about how the Bible clearly shows us God wants us to have healing, to walk in health. And provision, we've, we've talked about that. Now here's wisdom. Clearly, God is for it. Here we have a promise for it. And then, and James still says, so ask. But if you are asking and doubting whether God might give it to you or not, don't expect to get it. Just like anything else, the anything is in there on purpose. Let him ask in faith. In other words, when you go to God and asking him for wisdom, you need to go to him knowing that God wants you to have it and that he will give it to you. Because if you have a doubt in your mind, if you don't think he thinks he wants you to go through life walking as a fool, which is a better opposite word than stupid when we're talking about wisdom. You can be smart, stupid, you can be wise or foolish. You think he wants you to go through life as a fool, then don't expect to get wisdom because what, you don't know God well enough to be asking in the first place. So you go full of faith when you ask. Now, We've talked about this, and we're, we're, get, we're getting close to wrapping up, so don't, don't uh, check out on me just yet. 
we, when we talk about healing, and we talk about asking for healing, we're really talking about receiving healing, right? Coming up, even, even that when somebody prays for you, lay hands on you, we are having healing, healing ministered to us. But we can generally talk about it or speak about it in terms of asking God for healing. But we talk about how there needs to be an expectation. We're believing for a manifestation, and we've encouraged people. There have been instantaneous. There have been people who walked away out of a healing line, healed, manifestly healed. But what do we say? If you didn't feel it, if you didn't experience an immediate change in your body, don't take that to mean that nothing happened. What do you do? Continue to speak to it. Continue to thank him for it. And, and believe that you're going to be healed as you go. It might be a process. And it still might happen suddenly, even if it doesn't happen immediately. Okay? It might happen all at once, but it might be three days. It might be three months. You don't know. Uh, obviously, I think the closer and closer we get to understanding this better, we're going to see these things. We're going to see a lot less time pass between the amen and the manifestation of these things that we're praying for. Right? It's tough. It's a tough thing to walk through. Meanwhile, we understand that. I think we have a pretty good understanding about that, that as we are believing God for things that we see in his word, we still need to continue to speak them over ourselves. All right? I'm not where I don't, uh, I'm, I, I'm not financially where it looks like in the word of God he wants me to be. I can't be as generous as I believe he wants me to be because I'm still in debt to this person, that person, but I'm getting out of debt because God doesn't want me to be beholden to any man. He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, and we keep speaking the promise over ourselves. All right, I woke up. I'm still sore, but I know I'm healed. Jesus did bear my sicknesses and my pain and my infirmity and weakness in his own body. Therefore, thank you, God, for healing me. I might not, the, the soreness that I'm experiencing cannot stay because the healing I experienced uh, is a reality. Hands have been laid on me. Oil has been applied. The word has been spoken over me. Power of God has gone into me to effect a healing and a cure, and it will feel that way eventually. We get this, right? Most of us? Wisdom. Pray for it. Ask him for it and expect it. And you start speaking over yourself. The decisions I make are going to be in line with God's will for my life. I will see these situations, I will approach these problems, and I will see them as God desires for me to see them. Things that are unclear will become clear. Continue to speak these things over yourself and claim these things, right? And then when you receive it, and most of you can probably, just as most of you, can testify to a miracle of provision in your life, a, a, a healing that God has worked in your life, you can probably share with me, if you've walked with Christ for any length of time at all, you can probably share with me a time when God gave you supernatural guidance or an episode where you experienced divine wisdom. I didn't know what to do, but God suddenly made it clear to me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about or am I being too vague? Have you ever had a moment where God just made something clear to you and you knew it was from God? Praise the Lord. Now, Just as, let me back up just a second. It's tough to hear and tough, tougher to experience. And I know many of you have done this, and I, I, I have experienced this, where I have received a healing. I mean a physical manifestation of healing. And then had pain come back on me. You ever lose your healing? Some of you have. So the things that God gives us, what do we have to do? We have to fight to keep them. 
We have to protect them. Because when God gives them to us, that doesn't make the devil any less of a thief. What's the thief come for? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Just because you got your healing doesn't mean the devil's going to leave you alone. He's going to try to make you sick. He's going to try to steal your healing. He's going to try to steal your provision. He's going to try to steal your peace and everything, everything that God gives you. He'll try to steal your wisdom too. You've got to protect it. And remember, we're talking about spiritual wisdom, wisdom from above. I wrote this down during a message I heard at Winter Bible Seminar, a seminar one year, several years ago. It says this, wisdom is a heart that leans into God. Wisdom is a heart that leans into God. Knowledge is the fruit of study. Wisdom is the fruit of relationship. Now, we look at the sad trajectory of Solomon's life and Solomon's reign, the guy who wrote the book on wisdom did not end up manifestly a wise man. I've heard it said this way, he was the wisest fool who ever lived. Why? Did God take wisdom from him? No. What did he lose? He lost his passion for his relationship with God. There are always, in praise and worship team, you can be coming up here. There are always going to be things that compete for our attention as individuals and as a church. And if we are going to protect the wisdom that God gives us, we have to lean in to God and not be led by trends, not be led by popular opinion. And this goes back to the word that came forth today during praise and worship and, and what I wrapped up praise and worship, that sort of transition area there with, we are going to have to, because listen, the world can make foolishness sound like reason. Uh, I will probably say some more about this issue because it's worth talking about. You know I don't like to go topical. I don't mind teaching. To this is a topical sermon. I don't like doing current events. Uh, but every now and then something happens that like, yeah, we ought to address this from the pulpit. Uh, there's some news that came out about the Supreme Court a couple weeks ago that some people consider some of the most exciting stuff that we've heard from a Christian perspective in a long time. And others consider some of the most horrifying stuff they've heard in a long time. Depends on your perspective, right? But it's interesting that those who are horrified, and I'm talking about this, the, the strong likelihood that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned now, uh, and there's some people who understand better what that means. It certainly doesn't mean abortions are suddenly illegal coast to coast. Uh, but it is still a very exciting step and a recognition of some things that I'm already talking more about than I want to. All I wanted to say was this. It's interesting how the reaction uh, to those who want to see Roe, Roe v. Wade remain, you know, you know to see uh, in force, unchanged, whatever, They'll say, well, we got the great news this week that the Supreme Court wants to uh, turn back the clock on women's rights. Uh, you know, this is, what, this is what Republicans want to do. They just want to take rights away from women. This, and, and, and they'll pepper it, all these little comments. And most of the people saying these things have not read this opinion. It's 80 pages. You know, it's not just a little paragraph. Uh, most of them have not read it, so they're just comment, commenting, it's this knee-jerk thing, but it sounds reasonable, it sounds smart. And so people say, well, I can't argue with that. Yeah, you can, but you've got to have the mind of Christ. You've got to have the wisdom from above. Earthly wisdom is not going to cut it in this case. But we can have that. 
We have easy access to it. It's important in this day and age more than ever that we walk in that kind of wisdom. Isn't it wonderful that God has made it available? Stand up with me as I ask you a simple question. We've seen all this, Old Testament, New Testament, all these things confirming how important wisdom is and how valuable it is because it is the key to success. What kind of fool do you have to be to not want to be successful? And if wisdom is the key, and if wisdom is available, let's get it. Amen? So it's, there are a few more exciting promises in the Bible than if you lack wisdom, ask of God, and he'll give it to you. But who is he specifically addressing that promise to? It's to believers. Heavenly wisdom is not promised to those who have no part of heaven. It is for those who are in Christ. Heaven is for those who are in Christ. What is the destiny of people who remain outside the body of Christ? Ultimately, it's hell. It's eternal separation from the God of wisdom, the God of creation, the God of love. What's their destiny here? Ultimately, it's futility. It's foolishness for all of their human wisdom, ultimately history will judge them as fools. The God of history will judge them as fools. You were made for a relationship with God, and God desires to impart his wisdom to you. But it starts with a recognition that, right now, that none of us were born in a right relationship with God. I could be wrong about this. I don't think I am. But I think it's possible to be barely saved. I think it's possible to come to a point in your life where you think, you know what, I do believe in God. And I do believe in heaven and hell. And I don't want any part of hell. And I understand just enough of the Bible to understand that Jesus is the only one who can save me. That that's why he went to the cross. And I believe God wants me saved so bad. And I said, Lord, you are who you say you are. You did what you said you did. Come into my life and save me. And I believe you can get saved that way. I also believe you can renounce your salvation. You can decide, I want no more part of this. But there's a lot of this in-between stuff where somebody, they're saved, they really did give their heart to Jesus, invite Jesus into their life, but they never grow in grace. They may never, they may, by the grace of God, never renounce their faith, but they never grow or mature in Christ. You're never going to get heavenly wisdom that way. You're never going to be ultimately a success in that way. The best you can hope for in this life is to enjoy it and have fun. But you probably will not even enjoy it. You certainly will not enjoy it to the degree, that you, to the degree with which you were created to enjoy it. You'd be living your life as a fool. So let me say, the, let me offer just these two invitations today. If you have never committed your life to Christ, if you've never even recognized, I can't do this on my own, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. You need to get saved today. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to invite you forward to pray for you. You need to give your life to Christ and be born again. If you are barely saved, meaning I know I prayed that prayer, and I meant it when I prayed it, I've never taken it back, and I believe I'm saved, but that's as far as I have gone Maybe until this moment, it's as far as I plan to go. God has more for you. 
He desires much more for you. He frankly expects much more from you. And what you don't realize is you are skating on thin ice brother, thin ice sister. Because if you, if you are that casual about your relationship with God, you probably are completely unaware of how little it would take for you to cause you to renounce your faith. If you're not leaning into God, then the first real pressure that comes against you is probably going to shipwreck your faith. That's, I don't speak that prophetically. It's just kind of like the, how I seize it. So I, right after I pray, if you need to give your life to Christ for the first time, come up here. Don't be embarrassed. Practically everybody in here has done that, and we will just rejoice with you. If you've been playing games with your salvation, thinking the only thing that matters is I'm not going to hell, and I don't care about anything else, you need to start caring today. Get right or get left. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, you're a God of superabundance, and you have made so many good things so abundantly available to us that, first of all, I just want to say sorry for not, for not uh, taking advantage and appropriating those things faithfully. Today, we thank you for wisdom. We thank you for the wisdom that comes from above, our ability to hear it, our ability to receive it, our ability to walk in it, and our ability to be a blessing because we walk in it. I pray, Lord, that you would grant wisdom, divine, heavenly wisdom, to every person in this room as they examine their lives and see if there's something they need to do. Uh, slack that needs to be pulled out, decisions that need to be made. And I speak specifically over those who have yet to make a decision to recognize you, confess you as Lord and Savior, that you would grant them the wisdom to see how necessary this choice is. To the believer who thinks they're okay because they prayed the prayer, I pray, Lord, that you grant them the wisdom and a sense of urgency to really pursue you, to lean into you, to receive your wisdom and to safeguard that wisdom so that they can walk through the difficult times that all of us face. I pray these things now, Lord, in Jesus' name and trust that the Holy Spirit will do what only he can do, bring an outcome to this time of prayer. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody that desires to come today, give their heart to Jesus Christ, recommit with a new sense of purpose? Christ. Just come up here right now. I'm not going to drag this out. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer and just know just, you'll just know that we're with you, that I'm with you, that, that I'm joining my faith with yours in the Word of God. Anybody? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.